What's going on, guys and girls? Chad Belding here. Another exciting episode of the Foul Life Podcast. The one and only Uncle Ted, the Motor City Madman. Detroit, Michigan's hailing from Waco, Texas now. Ted Nugent. I love his passion. Everything he stands for, Second Amendment, gun rights, shooter rights, hunting, fishing, living off the land, growing a garden, whacking a doe and eating the backstrap, whacking a mallard duck and eating the skin on breast meat. I love everything involving Mr. Ted Nugent's message. Hope you all do too. His new single, American Campfire, is available on all of your music platforms. You're going to hear it here on the Foul Life Podcast as well is on the upcoming season 14 of Benelli Presents the Foul Life exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. The one and only Ted Nugent. Enjoy. Yeah, you bet. We're at a campfire, Chad. Warm your bun. Whip out the marshmallows. Uncle Ted is in town. So Rob Keck uh, just won the the national at the NWTF, the Grand National. No, no. Rob's there. Rob is the uh, voice of the National Wild Turkey Federation and probably all things conservation, a, a hard worker and hunter nation and all the the uh, organizations that fight for our God-given conservation rights, not privileges. And he just sent me a text from uh, the National Wild Turkey Federation. God bless them all. And God bless you for being there. Uh, but the guy who won the championship calling contest wanted to get a hold of me and send me one of his calls that he won the championship with. So am I the luckiest guitar player in the world or what? Unbelievable. Yeah, we had a big time at, uh, I, I throw a, a, a kind of the exit gala every year. We do it um, at the Whiskey Bent Saloon on Broadway that my buddy owns. And we had Tyler Farr headlined it this year and Waddell came over again like he always does. And we, 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 it's free, but we ask for a donation for the pass. And we got up on stage and we're able to donate $21,000 to the Freedom Hunters um, military organization, Anthony Pace, the owner and founder. And, you know, you've heard a lot of organizations like this, Ted, that get vets and active duty back in the field in between missions or when their military career is over. So he takes them on hunting and fishing excursions. And we were able to uh, raise a good bit of money in a, a short amount of hours in Nashville on Saturday night. So it made everybody feel good. That doesn't surprise me at all. I've been hanging around hunting, fishing, trapping, outdoor conservation, farming, ranchers, celebrating the spirit of the wild families all my life. And the most caring, the most giving, the most generous, the most participation in actual activities that benefit the heroes of the military are always the hunting families, the fishing, all the conservation families. So that's that doesn't not only does it not surprise me, but it's another inescapable spotlight on the self-evident truth that you and I are in the American conservation campfire of the best people in the world. Those are my blood brothers, no doubt about it. Do you do you um, turkey hunt in Texas or do you get out? Have you killed your Grand Slam and done a lot of turkey hunting in your life? I've done the Grand Slam, um, but, you know, I just don't go anywhere. In fact, our friend Michael Waddell, he invited me to the, the Nashville event and, of course, I'm so humbled and honored to be invited everywhere to the best turkey hunt in the world. But here's the decree from Uncle Ted's camp. I don't 
go any place. I just got in this morning. I'm checking my traps. I run a trap line here in Texas. I worked on some feeders and some fence. I checked the river level. I worked on a truck. I wore my dogs out. I treat a couple squirrels, but all my squirrels are so smart. They go immediately to a condominium hole tree and they never <laughs> hang out waiting for a 22 in the eyeball. My point is, <laughs> is that I'm invited to all these wonderful events and I've killed the Merriam's and I've killed the Rio and I've killed the Eastern and I've killed the Osceola. In fact, I killed the Osceola with my bow and a second one with my Glock 10 millimeter. But anyhow, yes, I've done the Grand Slam. I haven't got the Oscillated or the uh, the Goulds yet. But again, I just don't go anywhere. I love home. I'm getting ready to go on tour again, and I'm going to see a different hotel, a different airport, a different concert, fire-breathing, rip-roaring, rock-and-roll outrage every night. So I have abused my quota of mileage and travel. So I stay home with Mrs. Nugent and happy Sadie and Coco. And anybody that wants to do something with uncle Ted has to come here. Cause I don't go any place. And do you think, I mean, it's no doubt you've been in the public eye for a long time and you have a ton of energy still into your seventies. This is what blows my mind is because the first thing people think of when they hear the, the, the ages of 70 and 80 and, and you get, you start like, quote unquote, getting up there in age, you're not supposed to be as energetic as you. You're not supposed to be as lively as you are. I understand that you don't travel as much anymore, but my question to you is this, and I, and I, and I know that you've always talked to me about alcohol and treating your body like a temple and, and substances that you don't and shouldn't put into your body, but give me the blueprint, Mr. Ted Nugent, of your passion after almost eight decades on this earth and not easy decades. I mean, you've had a lot of high energy experiences with rock and roll lifestyle and traveling and seminar speaking and interview after interview. You're always on the go. How do you do it? Tell, tell, tell my audience, please, what the blueprint is to keep life as good as you have it into your seventies. And, and as we get up there in age, I'm 47 now. You're 25 years older than me, and you are you are you are always on top of everything and always on. Tell me how you do it. Well, you know, it's a lot of luck, but the luck we've always uh, acknowledged the historical colloquialism that uh, I don't know exactly how to uh, state it lick for lick, but luck is more about intelligent choices when opportunities arise. And I, I attribute it going all the way back to my childhood in Detroit. Uh, Chad, you have to really try to grasp the perfection of the atmosphere in Detroit, Michigan, when I was born in 1948. Pride of independent, rugged individual, being the best that you can be, getting the job done for God, family, country, our neighborhood, certainly Detroit, Michigan, and America, because the American GI motivated definitively by their oath to the U.S. Constitution to crush the evil Japanese and Nazi devils. There was such a celebration of inescapable, unambiguous good over unambiguous evil. So my dad was a GI and I was clueless about World War II or about Pearl Harbor when I was born or about the Bataan Death March or the Trail of Tears or the, the Wounded Need Massacre or, I was, or the Rape of Nanking. I was totally unaware of evil and hate and genocide and, and tyranny. But 
in that inner circle of the Nugent family, my dad, the U.S. Army Cavalry Drill Sergeant, demanded and succeeded in accomplishing discipline. And remember, I was born, I didn't know who Chuck Berry was, but and I didn't know who Fred Bear was, but once I witnessed, I mean, maybe at the age of five or six, I witnessed the outrage of Chuck Berry's defiant, uppity, electronic, fun music. At the same time, my dad was already a bow hunter. So I was, I think all kids had a bow and arrow and a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. We all made slingshots. There was always that natural projectile instinct to know that weapons are important for discipline, survival, getting food, self-defense. And again, I couldn't have told you that when I was five or six, but the instinct was over was overpowering any societal influence. Now I'm, I'm getting to the answer to your question, but this is a long and very elaborate explanation of why I've remained clean and sober. And at the age of 73, I'll be 74 this year. And you're right. I'm a flamethrower, man. I, I so fell in love with the guitar and so fell in love with the bow and arrow, so fell in love with wildlife, so fell in love with the musical adventure of jamming with Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and B.B. King and all the greatest musicians living in the shadow of Motown. This, this energy, this funky, middle finger, uppity <laughs> musical outrage. To this day, it's, as I'm approaching my 74th birthday, how lucky am I to have found those obsessions, those passions, those visions, those dreams, the mystical flight of the, I shot my bow this morning already. I've already cleaned a bloody arrow off. I shot a small doe last night. <laughs> and so, and then when you wake up with Mrs. Nugent and you see the dogs go berserk tree and a squirrel and I haul ass over there like I'm 20 years old, trying to find that squirrel and all I see is the tail going in the hole. Damn it. So <laughs> I'm just lucky but if you make the right decisions and chad it starts with being clean and sober you can't make good decisions if you're drunk or stoned impossible now i have friends that like to get high and i have inner circle people that and again a beer is better for you than a coca-cola but not when you start to drool not when the alcohol starts to alter your natural organic instinct. So I've been lucky that I've focused on, and plus I'm a, I'm a doofus. It was so difficult to learn Chuck Berry's licks. I, again, I don't know. I don't know what the technology is in here, but when I started out, I mean, I couldn't go. what that sounds like with this technology Perfect. but that's that's it's sound it's incredible but when i started i was a fumble fingered doofus it took forever forever for years chad i had a wedge on my chest where my guitar rested because i'd take the needle off the record and i'd try to learn put the needle back and put the needle for hours and hours and then i'd go outside and I'd try to shoot my damn longbow, and I got to where I could hit those squirrels, and I could hit that rabbit, and I could hit that 
that blue jay and I could hit that crow on the top of a pine tree. So the answer to your question is you have to find a life's pursuit that drives you wild, the passion, the dedication to your dreams. And, and, and I've done more than just bows and arrows and guitars. I mean, I've, I'm a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> How that happened, I'll never know. But because I never went to college, I was too busy learning stuff. Um, and I didn't pay attention <laughs> in school because I was already interested in bows and arrows, guitars and girls. But the, but the answer is so easy once you sit down and take a deep breath and go, all right, God gave me everything I need. Am I going to am I going to reduce those capabilities with drugs and alcohol, stupid food, getting fat, getting slow, getting in a rut? Am I going to allow that to happen? Or am I going to take a deep breath? And again, that higher level of awareness of learning those guitar licks and jamming with the gods of music and the mystical flight of the arrow, eventually meeting Fred Bear. All right, so I'm lucky 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 but if anybody was ripe to be a rebel and try the dope and get drunk and throw up it was me because my dad was so hardcore but lucky me i made the decision to not fall into this lie of peer pressure and i continued with the bow and arrow the the, the girls the music off-road racing with Parnelli Jones and Mickey Thompson. Are you kidding me? Learning to express myself in what was clearly a, an ever-increasing culture war against independence, against being the best that you can be, against rugged individualism, against that man in the arena work ethic. So my passion to fight the negative and the evil is equal to my passion for the bow and arrow and the guitar and Mrs. Nugent and spreading the word with Chad Belding. So uh, the, the passions drive me every minute of every day. In the last couple of days, you've posted a, and I don't know if you personally run your social media, but there was a post on it. I do. Those are all my posts. Uh, yes. Okay. So you do it yourself personally. There was a post where it was, I think it was yesterday, where you're talking about what your life has been like, and you had like eight or 10 pictures on there. And one of those photos, I don't know what stadium it was, but you're in front of a huge crowd. It looks like Castle Donington and somewhere where like one of those big iconic queen crowds are in some of those videos you see. But you're probably in your late 20s or 30s in this picture. You're rocking the crowd. Talk to me about the other ideology that we hear a lot. My dad used to say, hey, don't blink because it's over. It, time flies. Everybody says this, time flies. Well, I've looked at it like, man, time is flying by. I was just 30 the other day, but everything that I'm packing into this life has been so amazing and so honorable to me and so just so humbling to me. Like, I don't want to say that things in life humble me. I want to be humble all the time, but I look back on it and I'm just like, wow, I really got to do all this stuff. But at the same time, it's so much fun that I, I don't know if I'm really pumping the brakes enough to see it. Do you feel like you did, Mr. Ted Nugent? Do you feel like you pumped the brakes enough and understood the, the process of slowing down? And has your life flown by? Do you wish it would slow down? Because it is so many memories looking back on pictures like that. Chad, that, that's a great question because we get caught up in the whirlwind of uh, materialism and uh, earning certain credentials and worrying about our reputation. I, I, I spoke of the incredible luck that I've had that I was able to take that deep breath. And again, I attribute it to the intellectual, spiritual 
utilitarian, higher level of awareness of trying to kill a deer with a bow and arrow, which I really stumbled hopelessly for so many years. But I wanted to kill a deer so bad, I kept at it, kept at it, and I balanced between my band and my musical creativity. But remember now, with those pictures you saw me in front of 100,000 people, I've set world records. Some of my world records still hold to this day that I made back in 79, 80, 81, 85. Uh, But I was the top grossing act on planet Earth, 77, 78, and 79. I mean, played in front of millions of people. Chad, it is so out of body. You know, when you got the decoys and the winds at your back and there's a nice cloud cover, and maybe it's just getting cold. Maybe there's a little skiff, a semi-horizontal snot in the air. And you know the birds are in. You've, you've scouted. Do you know the goosebumps you get just before daylight when those decoys are just starting to shimmer in the pre-dawn and the dog is shivering with anticipation, probably making little squeaky noises? The goosebumps you feel there, and I felt those. I know those goosebumps. That's why I'm able to identify with you as a waterfowl maniac, which I qualify as well. When you're about to go on stage and play a song that you created with your fellow bandmates rehearsing, 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 and you know you've sold 100,000 tickets. I, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm perfectly honest. I don't, I don't have any filters. Well, before I go on stage every night on tour for my entire life, it's not nerves. It's, I can't wait to give those ticket buyers what they put their hard earned money to see this guy play the songs that they have embraced every night, 15 minutes before I hit the stage. I take the most phenomenal dump that mankind has ever been able to because I am my whole system is like it's, it's like a spiritual erection and I'm about to plunge into the ether. So the point is, is that that can be very intoxicating, Chad. But if you get up every morning because you know the ducks are in and every morning you and your buddies get out there before dawn and put those decoys if you, every morning. At some point, you're going to get weary. You have, if not just for the dogs, give the dogs a break. I learned, hallelujah. This goes back to your original question, where do I get the energy? In 76, 70, well, when I graduated from high school in 67, the Amboy Dukes did over 300 concerts a year. I was only able to go deer hunting a a couple days here and maybe a, 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 a Monday there. And I started realizing, yes, I'm making millions and millions of dollars. And this is so gratifying. My art is so celebrated all around the world by all these maniac music lovers. The luckiest, smart thing I ever did. And here's a good Uncle Ted tech tip. I told my management, hey, a day here and a day there isn't good enough. I need to take a week off the first week of November when the bucks are moving. And they went, well, but except that, that you'll make a million dollars those five days. I go, no, no, you don't understand. I need, I put so much into everything. Yes, even at the peak of my insanity, rock and roll, 
outrage. I was indefatigable. I could have done every night fire breathing. I was so smart. Well, lucky smart. I said, I don't care. I don't care how many millions of dollars. I need to shut down. I need to. I need to go sit in a damn tree. I could tell. And I wasn't getting tired, but I was so lucky that I knew I would soon be tired. So by 79, by 77, 78, I started taking off chunks of time. Well, and I've given up, people have calculated hundreds of millions of dollars because I wouldn't tour eventually October, November, and December. I hunted. And they go, well, you're missing the $18 million. And I go, you shut the, f- you're, you're not listening to me. They go, well, you can hunt when you get older. No, no, no. The 79 rut, 1979, <laughs> there's only one 1979 rut. The 1980 rut, I'll do that, but there's only one 1979 rut. <laughs> I need to sh- shut down, find that spirit, recharge my batteries. Of course, it's called recreation. What does it mean? I need to recreate. I need to recreate my spirit, my my energy, my health. And it drove my management and my agents, everybody berserk. But I, how lucky, because you know what the, the temptation of millions of dollars is? Big time. I said, no, 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 that's, that's not the important part. My health, my sanity, and my balance is the important part. So no matter how hard I hunt, even though I don't give up any mornings or afternoons, I do take naps <laughs> because I'm not going to give up a morning unless it's just an outrageous torrential storm and it's just not even good for duck hunting. So the greatest philosopher of all times, Dirty Harry, said, a good man needs to know his limitations. I don't know if I'm a good man, but I'm a lucky man. So I have balanced the intensity of my fire breathing music with, and my fire breathing culture war counter punching with what is, I call the spirit of the wild cruising with my dogs, working on my truck, building a blind, uh, running a, 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 a an irrigation line to the river. So my duck holes still have water. I'm a, I'm an earthly hands-on rent. I'm surprised I have any fingers left, but balance a good man has to know his limitations and if you're not hugging your kids and wives enough you're you're too busy if you're not healthy and you you can't rush around and grab a bite of food and run you got to sit down and eat little things in life i i hope it translates into longevity because i i want at least another 25 opening days and a good man has to have balance, peace and love through superior firepower and counterpunching the evil that we're surrounded by, but still shutting down, hugging your family and sit in a tree or a duck blind. You got to balance your energy. It's as it's balanced as you learned at an early age in your rock and roll career <clears throat> and being able to process the ability of bringing that internalizing that energy that you were getting from the deer and the squirrels and that bow and the flight of the arrow and the 79 rut talk to me about the word like a word like darkness or depression 
Um, are these real things, in your opinion, Mr. Ted Nugent, have, have you encountered those downtimes to where you felt like you didn't want to get out of your bed, like you were alone, like there was darkness that was coming over you? You, you seem like you have such a mental um, you know, stability and this power to overcome this stuff, the mental strength and aptitude to overcome anything that came your way. Tell me or the audience when you do encounter those tough times, how do you get through them? Because even a guy with a life as blessed as yours has been with your family, your kids, your farms, your money, your revenue, your success, your celebrity, your friends, your network, you've done it. But did you go through those, those peaks and valleys to where you had to fight to climb up? And how, how do you tell somebody, Hey, it can be done because is there a real such thing as darkness and depression that can overtake the mind if you're not careful? Boy, that's a great, great inquiry, Chad. Salute to you for that, because the answer is hell yes. I had a dream life, and I was being divorced in 1978 when I really was on top of the world. But on top of the world, because I had Sasha and Toby, the beautiful son and daughter, and my beautiful wife, and she made some decisions. I'm not going to go into the details, and we were getting divorced, and I cried every day. I absolutely bawled my eyes out. I, I, I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. But again, I found the grit to focus on the most important thing, not my feelings and not the separation of, with my then soulmate, but I focused on Sasha and Toby. And during the divorce, it was as ugly as ugly can be in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I flew home after every gig to a home I rented. So, and I had to submit an emergency hearing to see my son and daughter. So it was as ugly as this evil, rotten court system and divorce system and attorney system can be. But I dug deep and I found that grit. You got to have grit. You, you got to. You know, it's Iwo Jima, you know, you're, you're, you're taking incoming rounds. You got to improvise, adapt and overcome. You got to be tactical. You got to call upon that higher level of awareness that again, I had called upon throughout my life, even up until that first divorce, the, the only divorce. And so the answer is, hello, uh, Ted Nugent, Mr. Tough guy, Mr improvise, adapt, and overcome, master of all conditions. <laughs> you must unleash the emotions. That I cried helplessly was the proper and organic release of the, the pain and the suffering, the confusion, the uh, bombardment of anti-logic and the this court systems, evil, rotten, anti-logic, anti-humanisms. But I found strength in knowing that I was the father of two beautiful children, and that overrides everything. Uh, so yes, but and, and again, I, I've said this in millions of interviews, literally, what Jimi Hendrix didn't have, and what John Belushi didn't have, and what Bon Scott and Jim Morrison and uh, all these dead people didn't have was a more powerful, deeper spiritual calling than celebrity or the art. And the art is 
can be overwhelming. I give you the the miles of dead bodies that proves how overwhelming that art was to their sanity. But I had my my bow hunting, my incredible bands. They always were right there with me. And once I signed up with Doug Banker, my manager, there was a human slash business relationship where my human spirit was more important than income. So I had a team that had the proper priorities to help me get through those trying times in the divorce. And uh, I can, I can cite a couple years ago when my amazing brother, John died unexpectedly. It just, it just overwhelming sucker punch to the soul. So yeah, I'm a I'm a tough guy, but I'm also a properly weak guy. You have to you have to acknowledge your human weakness and let it let it flow. Cry until you can't even breathe. I've cried till I can't breathe. And then I catch my breath and I start to breathe and I come up from the ashes. But I didn't go to alcohol or drugs to cover up the emotion i embraced and unleashed the emotion so that i could come out stronger i truly do believe what doesn't kill you will make you stronger if you take it head on and i think my buddy jimmy hendrix and bon scott and john belushi and and keith moon and all these dead guys they tried to hide from it um you can't hide from pain and, and, and suffering. You have to look it straight in the eye and go, all right, give it, let me have it. Let me have it and let me unleash the, the, the emotion and the, the, the tears. You know, you, you cry until you gag. I've, I cried until I gagged when my dog died. I ran over Shemaine's puppy and I gave it to her for her 50th birthday and I ran him over. And I couldn't get up off the ground for about an hour. I just couldn't stop crying. I get emotional thinking about it. And that was just a stupid dog. And obviously we love our dogs, but it's a different sensation than my brother dying. And it's a different sensation than the family unit being shattered by divorce. So let her rip. Celebrate all the emotions. And here's one for you, Chad. Pain, celebrate it come up from it positive love and spirit and a good arrow and uh, limited ducks and happy dogs and a squirrel that didn't get to the hole in time and mrs nugent's fish dinner last night celebrate all the good to the i do i'm like people go he's crazy you're damn right i'm crazy because i celebrate everything to the max but also celebrate the negatives so you're not hiding from it. It makes the positive stronger. And here's one for you. Somebody once told me, well, you know, hate is a counterproductive emotion. No, it's not. No, it's not. I hate Nazis. I hate rapists. It's a good emotion. I hate evil. I hate tyrants. I hate genocidal maniacs, Dr. Fauci. I hate evil people, Justin Fidel Jr., Trudeau unleashing violence upon your citizens instead of addressing their complaints. So yeah, hate's a good one, but I maximize the love. So by fighting with the evil with hate, identifying the evil 
galvanizing fellow haters to crush tyrants and carjackers and engineered recidivism district attorneys that that create violence in our neighborhoods. You need to hate that stuff so you can really celebrate the love because from the crushing of evil comes the best love. Again, it's peace through superior firepower, uh, both emotionally, uh, intellectually, and occasionally ballistically. So this is the Uncle Ted system of life. And Chad, it's a son of a bitch, but boy, it works. If Before we move into Ottawa, you, you've mentioned uh, several times on our conversations, and it's no secret about your relationship with Charmaine and, and your guys' un, undeniable love and respect for each other. Tell my audience, please, about this part of life on you live a life that somebody could grow very envious of. I hate envy. Jealousy in our communities in America. When I go to Europe, I don't see it as much, but also I don't spend as much time in other countries as I do in the continental United States. But envy and jealousy is big here. You've lived a life to where a mate like Charmaine could easily have developed Instead of support and love and you're being your backbone at home, you couples can start to get torn apart because of that celebrity. I've seen it happen in in all types of different levels of whether it was athletics or music or whatever, politics, anything. What is the secret to that? Is it always you have to find you've already mentioned that you had another soulmate at one time in your life in the late 70s that you went through a divorce with who was the mother of two of your kids. How do you do it? How do you make a relationship work? Is it is it fair to say making a relationship work? Because it's a lot of work, right, Ted? How do you do it to where there's no chance that you could that you could ever feel that pain again that you felt in the late seventies? Well, that's a loaded question, and the answer is equally and necessarily loaded. Um, first of all, let's identify celebrity. When I go to the feed mill and so. Some old farmer comes out of his, you know, 59 Ford pickup and wants an autograph. <laughs> he's an old guy. I mean, he's not a rock and roll fan. So he he says, I'm such a fan of yours, Ted, how you fight for the Second Amendment. I go, I appreciate that. What's your name? Where, where are you from? Where's your place at? We start talking. Okay. Could that go to your head? Yeah, go to your head. But instead, it goes to my soul. He's not a fan of Ted Nugent, the guy. He's a fan of what? he and I believe in that he sees me implement. Um, when you're a bow hunter, celebrity <laughs> doesn't exist because the deer don't care how many albums you've sold. You still got to be a sneaky, strategizing, <laughs> smart, improvising, reasoning predator. So I think that has kept me humble. A lot of people don't think I'm very humble because I, well, you told me you had sold 40 million albums. I sold 40 million albums. I, I can't celebrate that. If I won the NASCAR race, couldn't I be at the grandstand celebrating my victory? Shouldn't I go? Shouldn't I go ex be all excited about my victory? Well, I'm very excited about my victories. I'm very excited about my accomplishments. I just shot this little runt deer last night, but the arrow was just beautiful. So, so, and you see on Spirit of the Wild, I think one of the reasons we're so successful on the Outdoor Channel for, what is it, 30 years now, is because people see that I get genuinely thrilled putting an arrow through a woodchuck <laughs> or a small doe because it's the arrow that I am pursuing. It's, it's not what's at the end of the arrow, which it's my, my application of God's gifts to be able to be the path of my arrow, Zen, samurai, martial arts, 
being the best that you can be. My point is, is that celebrity is meaningless with important things. Do you think my kids will obey my guidance and my love because I'm a star? I mean, it just, just couldn't be more inconsequential. And so the, the, the sightings you shared with watching celebrities and artists um, be, create friction within their inner circle, especially with their spouse, because they start getting too cocky. And I know I'm, I'm the cocky czar. I, I didn't invent cocky, but I perfected it by the time I was eight. <laughs> but not for my purposes. I'm cocky for truth, logic, common sense, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, America, freedom, life, liberty. I'm cocky for those things. I'm not cocky for me. You know, you know what I mean? So not only that, but Shemaine is so smart. And she's a celebrity in a meaningful way in her own right. And we have this intimate spiritual unification to raise our son Rocco and to fight the evil tyrants and the, the Fauci's and the Biden's and the, the Democrat d America destroyers. So she's involved with that uh, healthy living. She's such an influence on people to become healthier by taking control of their lives and being smarter about choices. So in the final analysis, celebrity, <clears throat> you know, I don't know what it, I'm not, a, I, I'm not, happy because I get stuff as a celebrity. I'm happy because I'm healthy and I have a love affair with great people. For example, we mentioned the National Wild Turkey Federation. I heard from Rob Keck and I got a, the guy that won the championship call. Did they get a hold of me because I'm a rock star? Not at all. They, they, I have a relationship with people who do good and we influence and celebrate doing good. Um, and you don't have to be a celebrity to, to do good. Uh, I mean, here, let me summarize it thusly. Well, I really appreciate you standing up for our freedom, Ted. I wish I had the platform you had. And I go, wait a minute. I called my mayor and my senator and my congressman and my governor. Did you? Well, they won't listen to me. Well, they won't listen to me either unless I keep calling. Believe me, Joe Welder calling his congressman and saying, you know, I stand up with Kyle Rittenhouse. I believe in self-defense. You make sure that you always stand up for good over evil. That congressman will go, call an emergency meeting. Uh, Secretary, get everybody in here. We have to have an emergency meeting. I heard, from, I, heard from, I heard from Joe Welder, and he called to tell me he supports Kyle Rittenhouse. That's an alarm going off in a public official's, a, a pub, uh, an elected employee's office. So celebrity doesn't carry any more weight in meaningful pursuits than anybody else's voice, statement, gesture, or communication. Joe Welder, I believe, has more influence on his mayor than Ted Nugent does. I really believe that. Because certainly there's not a mayor on planet Earth that doesn't know what I stand for. And they, they know that I'm watching them. But do they think that Joe Welder, do they think that Johnny Electrician, do they think that Farmer Bill, if, if they don't hear from them, they dismiss what Ted Nugent says. So celebrity is a, 
a yin and a yang. It can be fun because people identify you because you're recognizable. But what are you recognizable for? Yes. And that's the important thing. Not they, Nobody asked for my autograph. Well, they, the music lovers love my music. How do you not love my music? I love my music. But I am bombarded, and I mean this in a, in a very appreciative way, no matter where Shemaine and I go, it was hysterical. I dropped Shemaine off to pick up some some uh, uh, beer because we don't have any beer at the house. We want to make some beer batter for the fish. <laughs> and so we had to go buy some beer. It was awesome. And so I'm out in the parking lot with my dogs and I'm in a no parking area, but I'm not parking. I'm standing. I have to educate Texans that when you're standing with the car running, you're not parking. Parking <laughs> is shutting your car off and leaving the vehicle. So when, he, when the security guy comes up, he goes, oh, there's no parking here. I went, yeah, that for sure. I'll make sure nobody does. He goes, well, you can't be here. I go, no, I'm not parking. I'm standing. And he looked at me and he goes, are you Ted Nugent? And I go, full time, buddy. He goes, well, it's great to meet you. I love your music. And I love how you fight with the NRA and we're shaking hands. And I'm going, so you're a security guy, huh? I go, where's your gun? Can't accomplish. I did the firemen have water here. Can the firemen have water? I go, you're not a security guy. You haven't got a gun. We had a fun talk like that. But I think what I said to him might've registered. So anyhow, I'm sitting there talking to this guy. Another guy pulls up and he jumps out. And he goes, Ted Evan Nugent. He runs over and he's blocking the park. He's blocking the lane. And he didn't care because he wanted to shake my head. He goes, I saw you in 1978. He's talking all about rock and roll. I go, that's awesome. Thank you very much. But you're blocking traffic. Go move your car. <laughs> <laughs> so everywhere I go. And it's always so upbeat and, and energized because of the politics and the music. But it doesn't go to my head because I got in my trees. I got in a tank blind last night, a ground blind. And all that, all those accolades doesn't steer any deer in front of me. It, it doesn't help me be a good father, a good husband, a good neighbor, a good steward of my resources, a good hunter. A good, none of that means anything in going to bed at night gratified and satisfied. But I appreciate the energy and, the, and not adulation for me. Well, in, in a way it is because we, my band and I really dedicate ourselves to create wonderful, wonderful music. And when I do debate a leftist or an anti-gunner, I do, I do rip their heads clean off. So, yeah, I have learned those, these things over the year. But they're celebrating beliefs and that they saw their beliefs was delivered by this guy. And so they wanted to say, thank you for celebrating our beliefs. So it's really a blood brotherhood that is unique to an American life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness dream that people really recognize me for. And I, and I value it and I appreciate it. But once I get home, I still got to wash the dishes. I still, I, I already vacuumed this morning. <laughs> I did the laundry. <laughs> so the important things in life have nothing to do with celebrity. That's freaking awesome. I love hearing that. One time I'm going to talk to you about that off, off microphone, because I think a lot of people, including myself at time in my little bubble of a career have had difficult times with that, that analogy of being somebody on the road, but then having to go home and just being Chad. It was, it was tough at me for one time, which was a, a, a 
I got humbled in a hurry, which I'm glad I did. It, it taught me a huge, valuable life lesson. But here, I, let's. I know that I'm, I truly appreciate your time always. But there, there's this thing going on up north of the border that has been amazing reflection on on what a hero is or what celebrity should be looked upon as, in my opinion. But as you go into what's going on in Canada and your opinion on on the truck drivers and and what they've done for this, you know, what Trudeau's been trying to keep going on in every province of Canada with these outfitters going out of business and these small prairie towns just being hammered with zero revenue in the motels and the cafes. One of the people that has talked about what's going on up there as well as down here in the continental United States is somebody that has really surprised me. And I want to know if you're surprised, why am I so surprised that Bill Maher has stepped up to the plate to say some pretty educated and i'm not saying that bill maher is not an educated great spoken great talented comedian talk show host he's on hbo he's he's done he's been there done that but why am i so surprised to hear him saying some of the things he's been saying lately about the truck convoy about the vaccine down here about kids wearing masks are you surprised ted and is it true is it real that he's saying this kind of things is he coming around a little bit maybe well, you might be talking to the right guy about that because I've been on Bill Maher's show 16 times. Um, and he and I had a unique relationship because we didn't agree on anything. Um, but he had me on. His producers, I think, forced me on him because they had to have a, an, an alternative point of view. And every time I was on Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect show, um, I got more laughs than Bill did. Um, and when I stood up for self-defense, I made him look like an idiot. When I talked about habitat carrying capacity and he's trying to claim that animals have rights and you're 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 not a real man if you murder innocent animals. I just I you know, it's so easy to win that debate. You know, if you fail to harvest an adequate uh, surplus of any uh, game species, then tax dollars will be burnt and wasted hiring somebody else to clean up your mess every time. And so I, I'm able to cite all these instances and I, I got a better response from the audience. Obviously there was a few stoner vegans out there went, boo, Bambi murder, yeah. <laughs> which made, which made the rest of the audience laugh pretty heartily. Uh, my point is, is yes, I am pleasantly surprised. And I, I, I have a relationship with Bill. In fact, my daughter, Sasha just sent me a picture of me and Bill Maher together at the house of blues in Los Angeles because he loves my music. And so there's a, a spark of hope for logic and, and reality there somewhere. But I really believe that Bill has put down the bong, at least incrementally, because everything he's always spewed is such nonsense. It can only come from either a brainwashed individual or a stoned individual where fantasy overwhelms truth, logic, common sense, and the evidence to support truth, logic, and common sense. So a big salute right here publicly with Chad Belding on your podcast. Bill, nice going. Welcome to the truth, logic, and common sense world. We welcome you with open arms, and we hope you stay on course. Because I am pleasantly surprised, but not really shocked, because even when he's ridiculing and having comic fun, and, and making fun of and, and milking humor from things that we believe in, it really is clever. It really is funny, as long as you take it as humor. Unfortunately, some of his sheep-like followers take it as gospel. The big difference between Richard Pryor's jokes and real life. Yeah. <laughs> the, point, the point is, is that 
Bill is a smart guy. He knows a lot, but if you if you smoke enough dope and you insulate yourself in Hollywood long enough, you might think that living, breathing, flesh and blood creatures that deserve reverence can be referenced as a cartoon character. And that somehow you have a small penis because you take it out on innocent animals, his own words. I mean, it, it's, it's such drivel. It's such intellectual dishonesty. It's such historical stupidity. It's such scientific denial. So I've always gentlemanly like rubbed his face in that over the years. And he is invited. He actually offered to send his jet to get me to come on his new program. Um, and I just haven't been able to make it happen yet because I would have so much fun. I am the great white buffalo. And so are you. And so are all of us. I like storms. I head into the storm. I don't run away from the storm. I like to go into the storm. That's how I designed all my Ford Broncos. That's my attitude. The better the storm, the better the duck hunting. My point being is that I don't avoid conflicting interviews and debates. I relish them. You want to debate me? I've got a standing dare, a standing threat, a standing challenge globally. Debate me. Debate me on any subject you want, and I will eat you alive. <laughs> I'm not all-knowing, but I'm organically and instinctively tuned in to the pulsations of planet Earth and beyond that if you try to shove nonsense down my throat, I will eat your face and spit toxic <laughs> sawdust back at your crew. My, po and my point is I'm not afraid of anything. I welcome challenges. If, if I wanted to just kill deer, I'd use my sniper rifle. I like the bow and arrow because it's so difficult. I like to find notes on my guitar that no one has ever played before. I like adventure. I'm Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea, and I'm going where no one has ever gone before. That's my pursuit in life, and I do bumble and stumble into it on occasion, but Bill Maher has proven that deep in his intellectual capacity is truth, logic, common sense, and he unleashes the occasional evidence to support what we believe in because we believe in reality. Most of the leftists are addicted and, and uh, just obsessed with denial and, and ignorance and truth, logic, and common sense is typically kryptonite to the left. But Bill Maher has surfaced from the uh, roiling rapids of stupidity, and I welcome him to the, uh, to the, to the, to the party. God, so, I hope you go on his new show. I'll, I will, I will tune in. I, I look forward to, you know, I have a standing invite to get on there with him, but um, I, I'm not sure that he's as brave as I am. And now that I've said that, I'm sure that'll ruffle his feathers adequately. Maybe I'll get the call. End <laughs> our awesome conversation, Mr. Ted Nugent, by telling me the Ted Nugent February, let's say March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. I want an eight, eight to nine month crystal ball view of Ted Nugent's crystal ball. What are we going to get ready to see after this Canadian 
trucking um, convoy has happened and what is being said in, in different places like Saskatchewan and Alberta, the vaccine mandate being dropped. Are we hopeful that we're going to see the borders open back up to hunters to be able to go up there? Do you think that we're going to see less and less of this anti, this COVID, um, the pandemic down here in the continent of the United States? What's your crystal ball telling you we're going to see headed into the midterms? Well, thank you for that. And uh, my crystal ball is like one of those little Christmas ornaments where you shake it and all the all the snow the snow, around the you. snow globe. You, you, you can't see the little snowman for a minute because of the storm. Um, we're in that storm right now. And I have a I have a crystal ball that is uniquely mine, as you have one that is uniquely yours. We all have our own, and I can tell you this right now. I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'm going to the dentist uh, Wednesday. And then uh, this next weekend, I'm doing a speaking presentation and playing the Star Spangled Banner for a, a conservative caucus in, in Irving, Texas with Shemaine. She's doing a speech as well. We're invited by a bunch of great, great conservative families and uh, Christian organizations. I do speaking engagements. I do media every day. Um, my crystal ball will keep me on a true North Compass setting for truth, logic, common sense, and all the evidence to, to buoy it. Uh, my new album comes out. In April, Ted Nugent, Detroit Muscle. I'm doing media promoting that music that I love so dearly. Thanks to Greg Smith and Jason Hartless and my incredible musical team. I'm doing a, I'm headlining the uh, Panama City Beach Bash on April 29th uh, down there in Panama City, Florida. The next night, Kid Rock headlines the concert. Uh, I think Panama City is making a real powerful statement when he hired, when they hired Ted Nugent and Kid Rock to do the beach bash. I think that's a beautiful red, white, and blue middle finger flame throwing as we speak. So, and then the tour, I do some uh, special engagements throughout uh, May and June. In, in April, I'll be turkey hunting around here and killing some hogs out of helicopters. Uh, the tour will start in June if the Communist Party in the White House gets the hell out of our way with mandates and illegal decrees. You can't mandate me. Nobody can mandate me except Mrs. Nugent. And the tour will go June, July, August. And then the best hunting season of my life will start. I hope that what I'm seeing in Canada is a an unprecedented statement of defiance by good families that know what ty tyranny looks like, know what tyrants do. And there is such a resistance and such a, a middle finger to this punk ass Justin Trudeau and his jack booted thugs. I don't even believe those are Canadian police officers. I believe those are those are foreign commandos that he's brought in because I can't believe that good conscientious Canadians would do that to peaceful protesters in Canada. And here's a little warning to the U.S. military and law enforcement who I revere. I cherish their dedication, their warrior spirit. Don't you dare try that in America. We're going to have a truck convoy from the West Coast to the East Coast coming up March 1st. Don't you dare obey a, an oath-violating order, an illegal order by anybody. Don't you dare obey a decree, an illegal, immoral order that they're causes you heroes of the military and law enforcement to violate your sacred constitutional oath. If somebody tells you to do something that violates your oath, arrest that son of a bitch, because that's the bad guy. Support the good families of America that are epitomized by a truck convoy saying you can't mandate. There are laws and that's all we have to obey. No mandates. 
You have no authority to mandate jack squat. This isn't Nazi Germany. This isn't communist China. This isn't North Korea. And remember that, Uncle Sam. And the military heroes and the law enforcement heroes, stand your ground. You have, an, you have a moral obligation to defy an oath-violating order. If your superiors give you an immoral order, arrest that punk. The truckers in America are the salt of the earth. They're the best people in the world. They provide the greatest quality of life in the history of the human experience. Respect those truckers. I'm going to get in my big badass Ford Zebra Bronco, and I'm going to join the caravan. And I'm going to try to... I'll take a deep breath because I'm so pissed off. <laughs> but we, the people, are about to make a stand. And we support the Canadian families 100%. Civil disobedience was overdue by the politest, the most polite, kind, considerate, conscientious society in, a, in the world, my friends in Canada. And we hope Justin Trudeau gets his ass kicked because the very economy, the very quality of life in Canada can be defined by those hunting camps, those waterfowl guides and outfitters, those big game and small game outfitters that Justin Trudeau is intentionally destroying. So Canadians, Godspeed, we pray for you. And now America, Godspeed, we pray for us. We pray for the truck convoy to tell Uncle Sam you have blown it, Joe Biden. You have absolutely blown it. So we, the people, will do what the U.S. government is supposed to do. We are going to secure our borders and we're going to get back to the greatest life, liberty and pursuit of happiness, quality of life ever in the history of mankind. So Joe Biden and all you jackbooted thugs, get the hell out of our way because America is waking up. <clears throat> wow. So powerful. The Ted Nugent new song, American campfire new song, come and take it new tour, starting new album being released, new music from the motor city, Madman, Detroit muscle coming from Ted Nugent soon. We'll go out. Do you want me to play the song um, American Campfire to go out of it? Or would you like to take us out? Really, I, really, I really think you ought. In fact, Chad, what I'd recommend, the way the song starts, it starts with my vocal going, everybody loves the American campfire. Don't you hear it calling your name? That'd be a great way to start every Chad Belding uh, podcast. Because that says it all. Because your life, my life, the American dream is epitomized by an American family campfire. We know it. All right. You heard it from Ted. That's how we're going to start. We're going to end this podcast with the American Campfire. And from now on, the Foul Life podcast is going to start with Ted Nugent's The American Campfire. I love being around it. I think it is the original social media. I know that I did not invent that. But that is how I have gotten a lot of my stories and my education in life is listening to wood and kindling and logs crack. And when they were too wet, my dad would teach me how to let them sit out and dry out a little bit more before I made a bad fire. I've learned how to make fires with toilet paper rolls i've learned really cool tricks around a campfire i've heard some unbelievable guitar playing and stories told and songs sang and 
just memories that were reminisced from that morning or from that same camp the year before. That is what's so special about this lifestyle that Ted Nugent has protected and stood up for for so many years, along with rocking our faces off with crowds exceeding hundreds of thousands at one time. Ted, thank you for being here, my man. We'll do it again soon. Chad, God bless, Godspeed. You and I are blood brothers. There's a whole bunch of us out there. Thank you, man. I'm going to get you and Waddell on here together next. We got to do it. We have to. Let's do it. He's my blood brother. I love him. This is Ted Nugent, American Campfire. Thank you all for listening to the Foul Life Podcast. Don't you hear it calling your name? Everybody loves the American camp.